With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. You're listening to the Tennis.com podcast. And here are your hosts, Nina Pantic and Irina Falcone. Hello, everyone. I'm Nina Pantic. It's just me in this episode, as Irina Falcone, my co-host, is in Chicago playing a tournament. I'm going to be joined by special guest Daniela Hantukova. We talked at the U.S. Open in New York City, and um, we actually were in a car going from the U.S. Open site to her next event in Soho. So don't mind any of the unusual noises you might hear. That's just kind of her reality right now. She's on the go a lot. She only retired last year. Santukova was ranked as high as number five in the world and won seven WTA titles and nine doubles titles. Kind of a big deal to have her on, and especially because she retired so recently. She has a cool perspective on life after tennis, especially because she's literally living it right now. At the US Open, Danny was working with Tennis Journal, producing these episodes called Downtown Danny, where she kind of runs around New York City with the players, interviewing them at different events, including like on the red carpets. She, she goes shopping, she talks to them um, on media press day, kind of a little bit of everything. She's really interested in fashion and food and kind of the social life outside of the tennis court. Um, it's kind of awesome to have a different perspective. She also was commentating for Amazon Prime, doing US Open coverage. Um, she's kind of getting her foot into the broadcasting door. And in the episode, we talk about her career, her highlights, things maybe she would have wanted to change looking back or not change, her career in broadcast right now, her hopes and commentating and all of that. And we also talk about social media. She's a different perspective given that she's 34 and didn't really grow up with it and didn't have to deal with it on the tour as much as maybe players do today. So with that, here's Daniela Hantukova. Again, we're in a car from the US Open site to her next event in Soho. Let's talk about Downtown Danny and Tennis yeah. Channel and how did you get involved with it and how did you get, uh, I guess you've always been interested in doing TV? You know what, if uh, you told me that while I was still playing, I would be like, yeah, I'm not sure. And then the minute I started to do it, I, I knew there was something I was going to love. Because um, I, it, I think it's kind of cool that you get to share something you've done all your life, all the experience. So I, I didn't really see that coming, um, that I would be enjoying it this much. And then when you stepped away, last year you officially retired, so it's all kind of been very recent. Is it weird to be interviewing players that you have played? Yeah, I think it's actually really cool. And uh, yeah, as you said, I just retired last year, so um, that transition's been happening so fast to me, and uh, I'm really th thankful and grateful for that because, um, you know, like interviewing all the greatest players we've got uh, in tennis at the moment, it's 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 a really great thing to do, and um, I think it helps, you know, being one of them just a couple months ago, literally. So I think uh, it's uh, it's nice that maybe they open up to me a little bit more, just because you know I understand where they're coming from and their point of view. So no, it's been it's been all great. Was there a lot of fear or concerns when you were? considering and planning and stopping, were you worried, like, what am I going to do? Or, like, how is it going to be? No, you know what? It was one of the 
one of the main reasons I wanted to retire because I just wanted to explore and see what what there is, you know, after tennis. And uh, and it's beautiful when you close one door, how many new ones open up, and uh, so many, you know, new different opportunities. And uh, I think it's just a natural thing to do, you know, once once one part of your life it's it's done to just move on to the next one. And to me, it felt like it was the, the perfect time to do that. And to set the stage a little bit, we're in the car from the U.S. Open um, where qualifying is going on, where you were just doing some TV stuff, and we're going to another event of yours in Soho in New York and Manhattan. How crazy has it been, you know, this week and, and working at a Grand Slam? Yeah, it's been super crazy, and I I think I can say that doing this is much tougher than playing tennis um, because just the days are so much longer, and uh, and mentally you got to be, you know, you got to be on most of the day, and that's something that in tennis is different because you you get to the side, you do your practice, you do your um, matches, and then you kind of you know your day is over. Where here it's pretty much from the morning till the evening. So that mental mental focus, it's I think uh, even harder than um, being on the tour. But uh, on the other hand, you know, like interviewing Roger a couple minutes ago and now doing stuff in Soho, it doesn't get better than that. <laughs> I mean, you're still the focus of attention. You're obviously still the, the announcer and in charge of what you're doing. But is it weird being on their schedule now? It's kind of like... It, it is. It's something I got to say. That's one part that it took me some time to get used to. Because, you know, uh, when you are on the player's part, it's like, okay, this is when I'm going to practice. This is when I'm going to do my video. And I'm out of there. Where now being on the other side, you know, we got to wait for the players. And, uh, and uh, yes, spend pretty much all day there. But uh, I understand it's part of... Of the new 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 job, the the process and the transition, and uh, yeah, at the beginning it was a little bit tough, but now now I understand it's it's part of everything. Yeah, there's a lot of downtime, a lot of waiting, a lot of behind the scenes. People don't see that, but there's a lot of you know, it's hot or it's windy or you know, you have to have other people that are walking past you. Like it's a lot of distractions and chaos. Yeah, and also like it, you know, as a player, you don't really realize what it takes to put up the interviews and get ready for it, and you know, even like. The show we're doing this week, uh, the downtown Danny, how much work there has been done um, behind the scenes, you know, to get it all done. Um, it's been, yeah, it's been really incredible actually to see that, you know, coming from the tour, you don't really know what's going on around. And what's the premise of the show is is more off court stuff? Is it more fashion? Like, what's the the premise of downtown Danny? Yeah, it is. It's actually the the thing I enjoy the most, you know, because I get to talk about something that's been always my passion. I, whenever I was in town playing tennis, I always enjoyed doing these things that now I get to share with uh, share with the fans and whoever is following us. So, um, you know, talk about picking up the spots, where to go shopping, where to eat, um, uh, what to do in you know different cities uh, that we have on tour. It's uh, it's something I actually always enjoy doing. So it's it's great that I get to share that. A lot of times you hear players don't actually do anything when they go to the city. They're going and traveling to all these amazing places, but they don't actually do anything outside of hotel courts. You know, maybe a restaurant. Did you try and see things more, at least towards the end of your career, or maybe the um, whole time? It was actually more towards the, f the beginning when I was traveling a lot with my family. I was still young, and you know, like at, at the beginning, at that stage, you never know whether you're gonna come back next year because you know it's you know you're starting on the tour. So we always kind of try to see as much as we could uh, whenever the tournament was finished. And my parents were huge on like history and going to the museum and educating myself and my brother about you know what 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 city we were at so it was very important to them that I caught up with the cultural part of uh, 
of the of the places we were visiting. But then obviously it's understandable when you're doing well in the tournament, you're doing so much media stuff and training, and it's it's a it's a lot of effort. That you know the last thing uh, you have energy for is to you know wander around the city. So um, you know from that side, I understand the players. Yeah, there's a, there's a lot of balance. Mm-hmm. And then to, to back up a little bit, how did you get involved in tennis when you first started playing? Was it in Slovakia? Yeah, um, well, Miroslav Metzger um, mm-hmm. won the Olympics in 1988, and uh, was the first time I saw TV, uh, I saw tennis on TV, and uh, I just asked my parents if they could buy me a racket so one day I can make it to the Olympics, and that was pretty much um, a dream right there. And every single night I was falling asleep with my little racket in my bed and uh, his photo, and uh, and dreaming of, you know, making it to the Olympics one day. Yeah. Have you met him? Yeah, yeah. Um, he, he's been training in the same club where I grew up. Um, he's been kind of my mentor for all my career because obviously he knows the story and how much he meant to my to my tennis. And then I, it was actually a surprise they made for me when I had my retirement exhibition last year in Slovakia. Um, he actually came out to the court and played the last point with me, which was super emotional. I, I could not see the ball because oh. my tears, tears were just, um, yeah, falling out like crazy. So it was very special. Is it interesting to look now because maybe someone is picking up a racket because of you? So I think one of the biggest privileges and and also responsibilities you get as a player that you know you can literally uh, affect so many lives, and I think that's why it's so important how you behave not only on the court but off the court as well. I feel like your career has been definitely very. You've always been a very good role model. Mm-hmm. Is that something that you practice upon looking back? As a whole, yes, I am because I know how much that meant not only to me but to my parents. Because uh, to them, it was—it's been always about, you know, having the right values. They—I mean, I've been so grateful to have them because they never really cared about uh, my results as long as I was always the best person I could be. I like that a lot. So Indian Wells is where you won your first title. Actually, Naomi Osaka this year won her first title there, which is yeah. just wild. What what was it about Indian Wells? I only went for the first time this year, and I, I mean I understand you know it's California, it's beautiful, but like something about that place clearly works. For you. Yeah, there is something about that place that is just so special, and I get the same feeling every single time I get there. I don't know what it is. Um, first of all, it's you know when I, I I'm a little bit sensitive and emotional, so um, but the thing is like in the night when you look at the stars there, it's like they're literally right there because the air is just so dry, and uh, to me so to start with that is just. I can't wait for for the night there because it's just so magical. And then whenever I I, I got to play there, it just brought the best out of me. And the first title was just insane. Like, you know, nobody saw that coming, neither neither me or my team. So, and also the fact that I got to play against Martina Hingis, another one of my heroes, um, that was such a special moment of my career. Is there a certain match or player that sticks out to you as one of your best memories? Is it that it, or is it? Yeah, I would say definitely the finals against her. But um, also, actually, here in New York, I played. I would say my best match against Justin Henna. Beat her seven six in third when she was. Well, I'm not sure she was already number one in the world, but she was on the way. And uh, I, I feel like that was my best performance. And yeah, also winning the Fed Cup for my country was. And you won uh, mixed doubles career grand slam, so you won four titles with four different partners, yeah. which is really interesting because that's really a sign of being a good doubles player. If you can play with anyone, 
Yeah, so, I hope so. Yeah. <laughs> no, it was so cool. Like I was so lucky with all my partners. They were super fun to play with, and uh, I always enjoyed playing mixed doubles because you know you, you get to share the court with a guy to start with. So it's uh, it's always nice, especially you know being on the women's third eleven months of the year. So um, also they always uh, practice with me for my singles matches. That was part of the deal normally. So then I was like, okay, I play with you guys, but you gotta practice uh, practice with me quite a bit. So they understood that, but they've been, I mean, all of them, they've been great and uh, so much fun to play with. Do you wish that there was a more mixed doubles and more focus on doubles on tour? It's very, very sick. Well, I think the place that uh, would have space and time to do that would be Indian Wells. That would be such a cool one to do that, to, to do that because, um, you know, the fans really appreciate tennis and there are so many courts and I think it would be just an awesome, awesome place to do it there. Um, and then, yeah, just in general, I think also for exhibitions it's so, so much more interesting instead of, you know, looking at the doubles, the mixed doubles is nice, just, just a nice combo to have. I like the dynamic of having, you know, Men and women tour combined, you know, mm. something that's yes. Yeah. It's, it's also not they're not really similar, but in a way, like in broadcast and TV and yeah. commentating, is a lot of of men and women working together. But a lot of yeah. I think it's a bit of an imbalance because yeah, exactly. there's so many more men. And it's nice to and this is where I'm so lucky that I also have great partners now to do the shows with on TV that uh, to share, you know, the different perspective, you know, the, the way we think and the way guys think. So it's it's it's, it's nice and uh, it's nice to show, you know, the differences too. I definitely feel outnumbered and when I go into a press room. It's a lot of, I think it's like 75%, 80% men. It's not us. It's about to change. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, it's also something no one really sees because no one's inside the press rooms. Or maybe when you see on TV, they'll always be, you know, like Davenport or Chris Everett or someone's always commenting who's, who's won tournaments before and now to have you as well is cool because mm. a different perspective, like you said. Yeah, and I think also, yes, yeah, sometimes what um, maybe the men's players don't realize that, you know, we girls, we do understand tennis because especially we do watch their matches so much uh, as a players because that's normally what our coaches would tell us, like, okay, look how Roger turns on his forehead. So we would watch so many of their matches and that's where we get the knowledge from. And uh, I think um, it's important to, to show them that, you know, we know what we're talking about. <laughs> Yeah, I, I think it's good to, to, to prove that you're able to cover it just as good as anyone yeah, else. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. If anything, having a different perspective is nice because, you know, maybe we don't play best three out of five, but, like, you still understand everything that's going on. Yeah. Certain. yeah. And um, on, on looking back as well on your career, is there anything that you would have wanted to do differently or is there something that you look back and wish you changed? You know, I'm a huge believer that everything happens for a reason, and I did the best I could in that moment. So obviously there are things that I see now that I'm like, okay, why did I not do it back then? But, you know, back then I did not have the knowledge I have now. So I I, I definitely believe that everything happens for a reason. So no regrets. Did you ever consider coaching or mentoring or do you ever work with any younger players? Um, coaching for the moment, not so much because I just retired and one of the reasons for that was not traveling as much. So, um, and I know that if I would do that, I would commit myself 100% and I would not want to do like a part-time job where I, you know, just say a few words here and there because I don't think that makes uh, too much sense. And uh, yeah, so more mentoring, like if someone asks me for advice, I'm always happy to help. Is there anyone you see coming up from Slovakia that you think is going to be, you know, maybe like top 10 like you were? Or? Honestly, I haven't really, like one of the things when I retired, like, I didn't really spend too much time being around the tennis court, so I don't really know what's happening uh, back at home. But uh, I mean, we've been lucky enough that 
you know, Slovakia has been able to produce so many great players over the years, so I'm sure there will be some new ones coming up. Is there any interest in, I guess, Cup captain or anything like that. I got asked that already. Uh-huh. Really? Um, yeah, but uh, the thing is, I was still playing, and I thought it would be just weird, like you know, like I know. I so I kind of, I, I was actually laughing because I didn't think they were serious. But anyways, um, like I said, with the coaching, uh, I prefer to do this, um, where I get to share what I say with many more people. Um, so this is what I enjoy for now. I mean, I'm not saying no for. Maybe later on, but like I said, I still fresh, you know, very fresh. How do things look for you? So it's Tennis Channel has the show. There's Amazon Prime that you're working with, mm-hmm. which is commentating. No, we're doing studio stuff as well. I, I I might be covering some matches as well, but it's mainly talking about the matches before and after. yeah, the in between yeah. stuff. Okay, yeah, yeah that's, I think that's more fun. Yes, yes, I I yes, I prefer that, and then a little bit of Fox Sports Asia as well, which I do the Grand Slams for. So the the plan is to try to cover the Grand Slams, but not you know travel all year. Um, well, not necessarily. We'll see how the schedule goes next year. Um, of course, I need my time to relax and stuff, but I'm happy to do it. So. And what's been the most fun part so far about diving into this world of broadcast? Is it you know hair and makeup? Is it, is it interviewing? Yes, definitely. The the part where you know you get to dress up pretty much every day and have your hair and makeup done. It's. Uh, it's a it's a cool thing. Um, I'm not gonna lie. Um, and also, just to me, the biggest difference is that after all those almost 20 years, um, I do not miss that fact having to be physically ready every single day of the year um, to be able to whether it was practice or training. Uh, you know, like now, if I have a long day in the studio and I'm tired, um, wake up next morning being tired, it's okay. And it's such a huge relief because if that happens in tennis, you're like, okay, you know, there is almost no chance that you're going to win the match. So just not having that pressure, having to perform every single day physically, it's a, it's a, it's a huge relief. And you kind of have a guaranteed paycheck while before you were hoping to win a match to get a paycheck, right? So now it's a bit more stable. Is there more stability? Um, that's something I never, even with tennis, I never really. I, I'm, I'm a person that does things because I believe in them because. I enjoy them because I can put all my heart in it, so I, yeah, I can't really compare them. Okay. That's fair, yeah. I mean, I feel like people are motivated by different things always, so whatever works best yeah, for exactly. you works. Yeah. And then looking ahead, so downtown Danny is going to be more off-court stuff, but do you ever have any interest in, you know, fashion's always been a big part, I think, with, with you on, on tour and off-tour and everything, but is there something that you want to, you know, clothing brands or... or, or fashion lines? Uh, definitely so. You know, already like doing this, I get so many questions, whether it's on Instagram, email stuff, uh, about what I'm wearing and stuff. And uh, uh, we're thinking, yeah, um, what uh, what would be the next natural step, but definitely I would love to stay, stay involved with fashion. Was there any struggles ever in your career to, to balance, you know, if you wanted to do a photo shoot or modeling or something and balance with like your practice, your training and focusing on tennis? Yeah, definitely so, especially at the beginning my career where everything was happening so fast and uh, me or my family we didn't really know what we were getting myself into so it was hard because I was such a perfectionist and I always wanted to make sure I get my trainings in and uh, and my gym time so it was tough to balance and that's another thing like what I do enjoy now that I have the freedom to say okay you know this week I'm just gonna do 
all the photo shoots or whatever that I, I'm more in charge. Yeah, you run your own schedule. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. And was there ever, do you ever have any conflicts with like, you know, your, your parents or your coaches being like, you shouldn't do this, you should do that, or have you kind of been in charge? No, they've, uh, they've been pretty good at always letting me do what I decide to do. Uh, obviously, with coaches, sometimes, yes, from their point of view, it's understandable that they are not very happy to have you be doing photo shoots during the tournament. So it was always about finding the balance. So now Instagram and Twitter and social media is huge, but when you're playing, even not so much. Yeah, it, we did not have that back then. Yeah. So, and I think it was actually a good thing. I think it's where some of the players struggle with finding the right focus and the right reasons why they're playing tennis. It can be really distracting. and It, it can is, be really. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm really enjoying it right now, and it's great. But, uh, yeah, I think also the, you know, the quality of the friendships on the tour or even the conversations. Like, I remember with Martina Hingis having dinner here in New York. We could talk hours about tennis. I don't think you have that. It's like every five minutes, you know, the players would just check what's happening on their social media. So I think just the, the passion for the game, I'm not taking anything away from the young generation, but... Um, we actually, it's going to be interesting because we're going to talk about that in one of the shows. Really? Where, um, you know, like players were so much more into, okay, how can I get my racket better? How can I, which strings should I use? Uh, what should I eat to, you know, was all about the performance. Now it's all about, you know, how do I look in the selfie? So it's maybe, yeah, I'm just so glad I was not part of that. It's just so different because, you know, even even little kids are, are so obsessed with getting the Instagram photo and getting the yeah. right the right image and getting the right getting the right um, filter and all that, you know, yeah. it's just so different. Yeah, it is. Okay, so that was my interview with Daniela Hanchukova on the way from the U.S. Open to her event in Soho. Um, you can see that we kind of ended abruptly, but that's because we were literally in a car. That's kind of just the way her life is right now. She's running around all week, doing all kinds of appearances, shooting all kinds of videos for her show, Downtown Danny, with Tennis Channel. I think it's pretty awesome that she's jumped in so quickly and she's kind of embraced the whole thing. Um, I also think it's awesome that she has cool perspective on doubles because she won four mixed doubles titles with four different partners. That's kind of a key fact about her because that means you can win with anyone. Um, I also love that she talks about being a female reporter, a female broadcaster in a kind of male-dominated world. That's pretty relatable. Some of the stuff that she touches on about social media is something that I hope we talk about a lot more with Irina because social media is kind of taking over the world right now and taking over every player's lives a lot. And I think that's something Hantukova has a cool perspective on because she wasn't living that kind of life. You know, her life was maybe a little bit easier because of it. So anyway, that was our episode. Um, special guest, another shout out. Thank you to Daniela Hantukova for talking with us and taking so much time out of her day. I know she was in transit, but I mean, she still let me come and hang out with her in a car. So I'm pretty, I'm pretty honored, and um, I, I'm really happy that that happened. And thanks for listening. This has been the Tennis.com podcast with Nina and Irina. Again, Irina's in Chicago playing a tournament. Um, you can find this podcast on iTunes, Spotify, Tennis.com, and pretty much anywhere you subscribe to your podcasts. That's it for this episode. You've been listening to Nina Pantic and special guest Daniela Hachukova. Talk to you guys next week. You've been enjoying the Tennis.com podcast. For all the latest news and events, head over to Tennis.com.